If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What's up, bro? It feels so good to be back, man. I am so excited uh, for tonight's episode. I'm fired up. You're fired up. It's a beautiful Tuesday. It's the last day of November, the last day of Movember. Uh, Producer Jake's sporting a super caterpillar underneath his nose. He's back. (laughs) I'm back. It's birthday week. Ah, Dude, if you don't know already, I'm Dale Lippin, and I got my bro host, my partner in crime, Trey Van Buskirk, sitting shotgun. Trey, what's up, buddy? There's too much joy in my heart, man. You, <laughs> Your birthday week, the freaking third lung, iron lung, dart smoke, and producer Jake is back in the saddle. I mean, everything is merry. It really is. It really is. I don't know if Mercury's in retrograde or what's going on, <laughs> but but Jake is back. Um, dude, yes. I'm t- I'll tell you what. So here's the thing, right, is you know, you, you and I are very independent spirits that have aligned ourselves. Um, we're evenly yoked in a, in a, uh, continuum of partnership and oneness, but we are uniquely individuals. And yeah. you put out today that I should be doing birthday shoeies. I didn't know you were going to do that. I, right. I can, I can appreciate that sentiment that you would like me to do a birthday shoey. but yeah. here's the thing. Here's yeah. the problem I have with that. The last shoey I did nearly put me in the hospital <laughs> because my shoe was filled with a high school basketball career's worth of <laughs> foot powder and sock dust and everything else in between. And I can't do that anymore, man. I can't do it now. I will say this. I will make a concession. I have a yeah. regular beer here and I will chug a regular beer with you, but I, I cannot do a chewy or a shoey. Or chewy. I can't do anything <laughs> ooey related to right now. Nah, leave the leave the dip into producer Jake. But I, I will I will let you concede. I will let you uh wave the white flag, so okay. to speak. But go ahead and chug there, good sir. Well, it's it's ice cold. Can I let it get a little roomier first? Otherwise, I'm, my brain's gonna shut down. I mean, this thing that's, is this thing is frigid. That's like fine. It's I've got a cold. well, I've got an unofficial ad read, and then I also okay. have some official ad reads. Okay, what's that? that I don't Check I don't know that brand. What is that? Do they sponsor? Yeah. They do not. Um, this is an unofficial ad read. So we have been all on the Cutwater Margaritas, right? D- which they don't sponsor us. They don't Are we moving us. on? Are we moving I'm on from them? Switching it. Yes. This oh, is okay. called Seaborn. This is a margarita. It's a coconut and lime. So all right. coconut well, for fun. the boys. All right. Well, Mark, Mark in the chat says chug it. And I know he didn't log in just to see me bitch about my beer being cold. So I will go ahead and drink an ice cold beer. This is essentially a freeze pop directly to the brain. Because this is in the beer fridge, and I have yeah. the, I have the temp turned down real low because we had like some Thanksgiving leftovers out there that I wanted to keep real cold, yeah. uh, and I forgot to change it off the extreme cold setting. Yep. So this is damn near slush, but we're gonna make it happen. Yeah, a little slush puppy, get after it. A little slush, shut your mouth. <laughs> this is uh, for those wondering. Uh, Wicked Weed is a is a I won't call them local, but they're out of Asheville. Okay. I don't know if they're nationwide or not. Brian Dales, who's in here, who has a great 
beer uh, related podcast, craft conversations. He would probably know, but Wicked Weed out of Asheville, they have a thing called Fresh Pressed, which is a mango beer. And you know me, I'm all about that mango. Oak Road Brewery's in here too. Look at that. We got a bunch of beer drinkers in here. All right. Love it. There you go. Get after it, you little otter pop. Ah. <laughs> oh. You do it fantastic. I thought you were going to shotgun it, but just straight out the top. It's so cold. <laughs> there we go, it's so dude. Cold. It's in my lungs. I can feel oh, it in deep, my deep in the loins. Deep in the loins. All right, man. So here we are. Um, you were talking about real ad reads. We were talking about fake ad reads. We're going to give props to everybody, anybody and everybody. If you want it, you can get it. Um, but my man, Roy. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's camp on this one first and then we'll circle back around. Yeah. Um, Roy just sent us something and it's something that you and I, I mean, we're essentially high school girls at this point. We've been teasing people for a long time. We've been mm-hmm. doing a little over the pants tease. We've been doing a little around the top tease, back little whale tail. tease, little whale tail tease. We've had all kinds of te- te- teases going on here, yeah. but it's about to get real, man. We're about to, we're about to take the pants off. We're Ooh. about to, we're about to put the car in park. We're about to we're about to go out to lookout point, bro. What's happening right now? Tell everybody what Roy has done for us over at Allegiance Clothing. Jeez, okay, my high school is way different. You freaking <laughs> slut. <laughs> um, so, guys, if you know Allegiance Clothing, we've been talking about them since the the onset of this entire podcast. Sure. Greatest clothing out there, greatest material, greatest fit, greatest, you're a fat piece of shit going into the holiday season, way to make yourself look like a freaking athlete. Bro, body shaming. Outside of their fantastic designs and fantastic fit and comfortability, we collaborated with Allegiance Clothing and we put together what we're calling the Hedge T-shirt. It's a punch list, Allegiance collab shirt. Dale, can you read off the description? Oh, you want me to hedge you want me, is all about. You want me to read the description for the hedge t-shirt? I want you to read the description. I want you to tell <clears> the people why we chose hedge, why we chose the design, why this is literally the freaking birth of the punchless collab shirt. The birth. All right. Well, I mean, it's this is this is essentially our triplet, right? What how many iterations of a of a punchless allegiance shirt? Is this number four? Yeah, Just but the thing four? is, this is the this first is the time we've taken horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah, but we've taken an artistic direction to this one. So this is uh, technically the first. Gotcha. I understand. I understand. All right. So those of you who don't know, obviously, and you should because it's a betting podcast, what a hedge is. A hedge is commonly used as a term symbolizing a way to protect oneself from a great loss. It's risk management is what it is. It's a stop loss. It's avoidance. Uh, and you know how we feel about this. Yeah. That's lame. <laughs> it is lame. So punchless MMA and allegiance uh, don't designate or we don't understand playing it safe uh we don't run from a fight and there's an immutable tenacity that comes from within which is how we approach the show um a siren song if you will that emanates from our soul that doesn't allow us to surrender uh, something that says burn the boats commit never hedge and that's what the shirt's about oh my god dude Dude, it makes you want to burst through a wall. I was that a kid's, love it, dude. Was that a kid's bike helmet? What was that? That was my helmet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that your daily wear, or what do you what do you do with that? Life gets hard, dude. Sometimes <laughs> you got to put on a helmet. Sometimes you just wear that. One of those kids that had that little little half helmet. I understand. 
I'm pumped, man. This shirt is yeah. absolutely fire. The design, the fit, the freaking price point. You guys can go to allegiancecoldy.com, type in the word hedge. It's going to pop right up. You can use our code, just even like cutting the discount even more on this bad boy. Use our code punch. It's going to get you 15% off on that badass shirt. Pre-sales for the next three weeks. Three weeks, you have an opportunity to reserve your punch list, Allegiance collab t-shirt. Things going to ship, probably deliver end of December, right in time to freaking mark your stamp in what is 2022. Allegianceclothing.com, guys. Bam. Yeah, so we'll have it. We'll hopefully get it somewhere towards the end of right somewhere towards the end of December. Yeah, is that where we're, is that where we're yes. feeling? Okay, yeah. cool. All right, I'm going to um, let me do something here real quick. We'll do what we did last week, right? Um, let's see here. International shipping, Roy. Oh, jeez, Roy. Can can you chime in on that in the chat, Roy? Can we do international shipping for this one? I heard thing? supply chain for all businesses is very good right now, Dale. That's as a person that works in logistics and supply chain, that is not that's not I, accurate at all. I'm gonna be honest. I heard that there is no clogging at ports; that everything is moving fluidly. That's not true. That's not true at all. Okay. But Roy's in here; he can help us out. I'm gonna actually share my screen. I've got the T-shirt pulled up here, Trey. Um, yeah. Let me make sure that we're. Oh, oh yeah. My gosh, that's the worst layout possible. Hold on. There, there we is. go. There it is. We'll get rid of us in there. All right. So let me go and I'll zoom in on the on the logo itself, so you guys can see. We've got the you head can't skull. Really see the teeth though. That's okay. Uh, if you can't see the teeth, the teeth are gold, and they they ha they say the word hedge. So um, sick. But. Basically, we're taking a more American, traditionalist, old school vibe for everything. So you've got the skull, you've got the dagger, money, and gold teeth on the hedge, and then the punch list and allegiance. And then you've got the charging forward flag, as always, as you've come to expect with any allegiance product uh, and any, you know, freaking damn proud to be an American uh, shirt as well. So if you can see that, all right, good to go. I love it. And uh, Roy just chatted and said international shipping is available on our website if you have any issues reach out to allegiance clothing and they will take care of it for you so perfect always accommodating awesome awesome all right um one more ad read and then i got a story to tell you because we were talking about music earlier and then we'll get into we'll get into breaking this card down so um you cooked a turkey for thanksgiving i was proud of you is it all right let me say this is it weird for me to say that I'm proud of you considering we're like peers? Is that okay? Are you, I say, I tell you I'm proud of you all the time, but I can't tell if it makes you uncomfortable or not. I don't care if it's a children's drawing or I graduated from college. Anyone that calls me proud, I accept. Okay. I just didn't want to, I didn't want it to seem like demeaning or anything like that, but I am proud of you. Uh, you were solely responsible for providing meat uh, and a smoked turkey for a Thanksgiving celebration. And not only did you do so, you freaking knocked it out of the park how did you do it that's the thing is this is my first turkey i've ever done so there's a lot of pressure a lot of added pressure especially when there was 10 people to provide for um i went to uh stayclassymeats.com and their collaboration with tactic calories and they had a brine set brine kit that you could get for a turkey pre-ordered my turkey got it no anti antibiotics or any of the bullshit injecting the turkey came with the brine came with the seasoning I followed the instructions like a goddamn scavenger on a hunt nail. <laughs> it's true. You did. We had a, admittedly, executed. we had a couple phone calls. We had a couple strat sessions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely did FaceTime you a couple times. 
Unfortunately, I chose to FaceTime you at the end stage, which is when I was actually done turkey, uh, pulling the turkey off, and you told me that I had cooked the turkey the entire time upside down. So you did cook the turkey upside down, but here's something I didn't know because I was worried that this was going to be catastrophic because I've always cooked my turkeys the right side up. Yeah. Um, apparently, there is like an underground mommy blog movement to cook turkeys upside down because yeah. apparently it makes the breasts juicier and more supple. It was so juicy, dude. I took bites and it was just freaking right in my face. Dude, it was fantastic. Last yeah. time, I don't know. If, I'm not. I'm not going to take the bait there, but that's good. Yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it was like that. I'm glad it was like that. All right. Um, last thing before we get started, you posted a thing today um, that there's. Are you going to go to that festival, or are you not going to go to this festival? I I don't even know where the festival is, but my god, it looks fantastic. Okay, so you put up a lineup today of a festival you want to go to at a bunch of your favorite bands. Um, whenever we were doing the pre-show, those of you guys who don't know, we kind of get in here. We we strategize a little bit before we start talking of what we're going to do. I was jamming out to August Burns Red. They recently did a cover of Chop Suey by System of a Down. Got us talking about old bands. Anyway, that's not relevant. What's relevant is, is at one point in time, I went and saw... August Burns Red. This is like if you're into metal, this is this is awesome for you. I went and saw As I Lay Dying, August Burns Red, Demon Hunter, War of Ages, um, <laughs> and and Bless the Fall, all at one show in an old church outside of Pittsburgh. Right, killer lineup. If you're yeah. into metal, just a brutal lineup. Anyway, um, have you ever? Are you are you a big mosh pit guy? No, no, okay. absolutely not. Cool. Have you ever seen a circle pit? hundred percent, dude. How many Dropkick Murphy concerts have I been to? Well, I just asked if you're a mosh pit guy. You said no. So I just want to make sure you just observe. You don't get in. Yeah, exactly. I'll push people in there. I'll stay on the perimeter. So you're a pusher. This good. This this is your fault then. So we're we're at the show. We make it through all of these bands, like all of these bands. August yeah. Burns Red comes out and they're, you know, brutally heavy. And it's a small, it's a very small environment. Again, right. it's an old church. Um, and there it's just anarchy right um anyway circle pit right circle pit everybody's going and i'm with a couple guys now admittedly you it's hard to tell now but at one point in time when i worked in the prison system i was larger than i am now uh, from a muscle standpoint and i was with gentlemen that were even larger than myself anyway their idea of a good time was all the people running in the circle pit they were going to be pushers like you just just shoving people and acting a fool Not really my speed. Um, Anyway, we're watching the circle pit go on. Guy I'm with, um, he pushes a guy, okay? This gentleman, there's the pusher and there's the pushy. The pushy falls, okay? Yeah, okay. The pushy falls on the leg of the person in front of him as he's stepping and breaks his leg at the, like, underneath the knee. Okay. Yeah, like at below the knee. Now we didn't know this. This kid proceeds to just damn near get trampled to death while his yeah. leg's broken. Yeah. Again, we didn't know his leg was broken. We just saw him go down. That was it. Next thing I know, they're crowd surfing this kid up, right, to get him out. And this is when we see that his leg's broken. So they lift him up. And they're trying to get him to the front. And as they lift him up, his leg is like dangling at a 90 degree angle as they're moving him, And he's screaming at the top of his lungs. While his like disembodied leg broken is just waving around like Chris Weidman or Anderson Silva. 
all while August Burns Red is just it was it was I mean and they didn't stop no of course not of course not well the reason I say that is because you saw the news that came out about Guar right I did not so you know the band Guar I'm familiar yeah yeah so Guar actually had a show a couple days ago and okay. some guy with a prosthetic leg lost it in the middle of the pit and they were oh, throwing awesome. it around and Guar oh, being the freaking really nice really nice just uh christian folks that they are mm -hmm. they stopped playing and said hey who has this guy's leg and some guy held it off from like the freaking uh grandstands and they're like oh cool and they crowd surf the leg back to the recipient they got trampled in the pit so nice it happens dude did you drink have you ever um who was it do you know anybody that ever drank a beer out of a prosthetic leg no what do they call that I don't Leggy. know, but I feel like I feel like that's got to be a different. Uh, I see Brandy in the in the chat said Dale do a shoey. Brandy, um, if at the very beginning of the show I chugged a beer uh, as opposed to doing a shoey because I didn't time, see it. Yeah, last time. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna tell you right now if I do if I chug this other beer, then I'm not gonna have anything to drink for the entire episode. So go for it. You're the worst. If Brandy wants it. Brandy gets it. One more beer, Jake. Yeah. Okay, Jake. Yep. Producer Jake. There it goes. I wonder if this one's as cold as the first one. Probably not. It's not any warmer. <laughs> it's so it's cold. Warmer. <laughs> Gosh. All, All right. right. Let's get after it. We've got a great card for us this weekend. No. Man. Golly, that's awful. Let's go. Um, I gotta get my I gotta get my bearings back. My brain just literally froze inside my skull. All right, yep. so we didn't have any fights last weekend, but we do have fights this weekend. Ooh. Font versus Aldo. Real quick, before we break these fights down, is this the worst poster that they've done in a long time? Oh, really? I actually like it. Really? Yeah, it looked kind of this like ice cavey type thing. I was all about it. It made me feel right, cold. You can't, read it. you can't read it, though. Can, it yeah. says full versus NTDO. <laughs> It doesn't. Like, people read left to right. It, it looks like sense. matrix letters kind of coming down the screen. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I can get on board with that. Yeah. We're looking at it in that, through that lens. All right. So kicking off the main card, we got Brendan Allen taking on Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis making a quick turnaround after the Phil Hawes win. Uh, plus two eighty on Chris Curtis. Minus three sixty. Wait. Make sure Jake got the odds up. Did he? All right. Different odds. I'll read these ones instead. Brendan Allen, minus 330. Chris Curtis, plus 270. Over on our rounds is at one and a half here, Trey. Chris Curtis, 27 and eight. Brendan Allen, 17 and four. Both of these guys, I'm going to go ahead and say it now, entering their prime, if not already uh, in the midst of it. And Chris Curtis, like we said, coming with a quick turnaround. Brendan Allen never looked better, wants to stay active, really wants that Sean Strickland rematch. How do you see this fight playing out? Who wins? How? Why? When? Where? All that good stuff. Oh, dude, do I have recency bias? Oh, a little bit, a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, you do. What did I tell the listeners? I said, Chris Curtis, you get him at plus what, 200 against Phil Hawes. And what happened, Dale? He knocked him out. We were, we it, were on Phil, we were on Chris Curtis whenever he was the last second replacement the week prior to that. I know. So, what do I do here? Do I keep staying on, on the roller coaster train that I'm on with Chris Curtis? I, oh, I don't know, dude. His, his striking looked really good. Um, again, though, Phil Hawes is not very like big for that division. So I think from a size perspective, there was a little bit of comp it was a little bit comparable. Brendan Allen is freaking massive for that division. So mm -hmm. it makes me a little bit nervous. Brendan Allen's going to have good length. He's going to have good reach. He's going to be way better on the ground. So the question is, 
okay, where's the disparity? It's going to be striking versus grappling. So while Chris might be more powerful standing, I am worried about him if it goes to the ground. I don't think Brendan Allen has very good wrestling. He does have good jujitsu though. God forbid something happens, slip on the banana peel, get down to the ground. Brendan Allen should have a field day. I do think that Chris Curtis presents an absolute uh, problem if he can close that distance. I'm going to keep riding, dude. Honestly, I don't think Brennan Allen showed me much in his last fight. I like Chris Curtis. I like the momentum he's he's carrying. I'm going to take the plus 270. That's so weird. Like, I disagree with some of the stuff you're saying, but just basically because how you're presenting it. Okay. Um, That's fair. <laughs> so, striker versus grappler matchup. Eh, I don't know. How, I don't know if I, I think we're probably going to see two guys keep this on the feet. Um, and to say that. Brennan Allen didn't look good in his last fight. I thought he put on a clinic against Punahele. Um, Punahele Soriano. Yeah, I thought he looked great against him. Oh, my God. Striking looked crisp. I, I don't understand. And then fight prior, he heel-hooked baby K, Carl Roberson. Um, Who doesn't I, submit Carl Roberson? <laughs> I mean... I, look, dude, I don't, I don't know if I just don't know if I can get on board with that. Um, Chris Curtis has a couple wins uh, via ground and pound. He, I mean, he he can mix it up quite a bit. I, I don't exactly know. What you just said, dude, Brennan Allen heel hook. Chris Curtis powerful striking in close quarters, dude. I think Brennan Allen. I don't understand why you think like he likes to stand up. He likes to stand up, sure, like up against the cage, trying because he's so shitty at wrestling to get it down to the ground. I, I like Chris Curtis, dude. I, I do. Okay. I'm going to take it. I'm actually, this is my most confident play of the night. <laughs> dude, wait a second. Are we, we can't start the show with the people's main event. That's not. Now let's do it. You see, I, I don't. There's other fights that we're going to disagree on. I just don't know if this one, if I. Brandon Allen should win this fight. He looked fantastic against Soriano. So has everyone against the Hawaiian fighters. And that's coming from someone who has who lives with a Hawaiian, dude. The Hawaiians have not fared well as of recently. And we're going to talk about that with Maki Patolo. But Poliana Soriana had looked like absolute garbage up until then. And then he fought Brendan Allen, who just smothered him up against the cage, did short jabs, did absolutely nothing, versus Chris Curtis, who's going to close that distance, fight in a phone booth, and be more powerful, and get it done via knockout, dude. I don't, I don't know if you say it again. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you and I watched the same fight. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. If, I don't know if we watched the same fight because you said Soriano hasn't looked good, but yet the Brennan Allen fight was his first loss of his career. He knocked out Dushko Todorovic, who we're going to talk about. Which everyone does. <laughs> He's going to. He knocked out Oscar Pichada, who we're going to talk about. Who win? He beat Jamie Pickett in the Contender Series. Contender Series. He's coming out of CSA, which is a great camp. I don't. What? I where don't is under... CSA? Tell me where it is right now. What are you talking about? Combat Sports Academy? That's literally. Where is it? That, I don't know where it's at, but that's where Ige trains out of. That's where Francis and Ganu trains out of. That's where your girl Jesse Jess trains out of. That's where oh. a bunch of people come out of. That's a good gym. You like that? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm I'm taking Brendan Allen here. I'm I'm. What what makes me uncomfortable here is how confident you are that Chris Curtis is going to beat him. No, that's you know what, what I'm most confident That's what's on? throwing me off. Over one and a half. <laughs> okay. I think maybe I chugged two beers too fast because I don't know if I'm buzzed up or what, but you're you're silly right now. Over one and a half, dude? Are you joking? 
Why? No. Tell me why that's not a good play. Chris Curtis is durable. Brendan Allen is going to take a minute to get down to the ground. So you're talking seven and a half minutes to keep it standing. And I, I think that's super fair. I Over think one Bre- and a half. I think Brendan Allen goes out there, and if he has success with the hands, he gets him out of there early. Because if you remember, your boy Phil Hawes, t- Phil Hawes touched him up. Um, so Phil Hawes can touch him. Brendan Allen can definitely touch him. Oh my God. And then if he's not having success with the hands, the moment he takes him down, it's over with. You're shit faced. Let's get to the next fight. Unbelievable. We got to agree <laughs> to disagree here. I, I don't understand why we're so, how we could possibly be so opposite. All right. Let's see how this goes. Jimmy Crude at 12 and two, taking on Jamal, <laughs> Jamal Hill at eight and one. Uh, Jimmy Crute is a minus 170. Jamal Hill at, or I think it's Jamal Hall, but I'm going to go with Jamal um, <laughs> at plus 145. Over on rounds is at one and a half. You're on a roll. Just tell me, go ahead and tell me how you think Jamal Hill is going to win this fight. I don't like this, dude. I don't like this game. You go first because what you're going to do is you're okay. going to think think about it for a second. Go ahead. You go first. Okay. Awesome. Jimmy Crute's going to win this fight. Um, he's bigger, stronger, faster, uh, has a higher ceiling. And, you know, he doesn't have necessarily the height advantage, right? Hill has the height advantage. He's two inches taller and he's going to have the reach advantage. But as far as 205ers that I really feel like is a good 205, Jimmy Crute's a great 205. Jamal Hill is like an out of shape, kind of soft, doughy 205. If he got a nutritionist, if Mike Dolce decided to come out of retirement, uh, Jamal Hill could make 185. Jimmy Crute minus getting COVID and then ring or, or tapeworm is never making 185 pounds again. It's just not going to happen. Um, and you also got Hill coming off of his, you know, first loss of his career, right? So that's going to mess with the psyche. He got beat by Paul Craig. Paul Craig, if you don't remember, just literally bent his shit like a, like stretch Armstrong. He had his, it, his shit was facing the wrong. He was, Walking like an Egyptian, his shit was going all types of directions. You don't just bounce back from that. I know he said, "Oh, yeah, my arm was fine." This, that, dude. I've seen you needed some milk and a can of corn. Your shit was busted. There is no way you're just fine and bouncing back after that. And you know what's crazy about a guy like Hill is Hill excelled in the fact that he thought his own shit didn't stink. Like he thought he was that dude. Like, remember all the shit he was talking going in that Paul Craig fight about, mm-hmm. I'm going to beat this guy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then what's coming next is I'm going to I'm gonna fight this guy, and then I'm going to get a title shot. I'm going to be the youngest yeah. this and the quickest that. No. No. You got a, you got some veteran, big, strong hands on you that took your ass to the ground and ripped your shit off. Like, that was literally Paul Craig just snapped his shit. And Jimmy Crute is going to stand there and he's going to remove his face. It's going to be like Nicolas Cage. I want to take his face off. Jimmy Crute's not playing that shit. Jamal Hill's not going to come out there and leg kick him like Anthony Smith did. He's going to come out there and he's going to bulldoze him. He's going to bulldoze him with that thick Aussie body. He's just going to smash. He's going to smash. Or is, Wait, hold on a second because we pissed people off with this last time. We called everybody Australian that was actually from New Zealand. Is Jimmy Crute from New Zealand? Because I want to make sure I get it right this time. We were number one in New Zealand, and th- these these guys deserve to, yeah. to to have the proper distinction between Aussie and, and New Zealand. I need to make sure it's the right thing. Yeah. Okay. So what is it? Is he from Australia? Or is Mark still in the chat? Mark, is he from Australia? I don't know. He put the Australian flag, but doesn't that mean both? 
I don't know, bro. I, I, I want, I want to understand this place so, so badly. I want to understand it. I know, no, I don't understand. No, 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 scone Australia. Don't understand what that means, but we'll go with Australia. Perfect. Scone, some scone. type of pastry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Unleavened Got dough. It. Jimmy Crute, Merck, Merck. <laughs> go ahead. I like how you uh, used uh, Nicholas Cage as uh, as an example of Jimmy Crute. Um, great example. Uh, okay. Horrible acting. Jimmy Crute's got horrible technique. Just I mean, thank you for putting that together. Jimmy Crute has had the same blueprint for the past two years of any other fighter. I mean, when you say the word blueprint, I think Jimmy Crute. That is this overhand looping right that's god-awful. And then what it is is outside leg kick to create and maintain distance. Now, why does he do this crazy overhand right and, and this kick from distance? It's because all he wants to do is shoot, take down, ground and pound. Okay, cool. I get it. Apex cage, sure, probably he's going to fare pretty well. But I think when you look at someone that's going to have better technical striking, Jamala Hill is going to have that. He's going to be able to move in and out. The only piece that I don't like about Jamala Hill, he's got poor fight IQ. And he showed that in the Paul Craig fight. What he did was he played Paul Craig's game. He decided to grapple. I think he's learned from his mistakes. He needs to go back to what he was doing prior to the Paul Craig thing when he was fighting OSP, which is he was selecting his shots, being the better striker, piecing someone out, and putting them out. That's what he's going to do with with, with uh, Jimmy Crew. He's going to strike. He's going to maintain his technique. He's going to piece him up, get in, get out. Jamala Hill. I hate this. I hate this. I, I you know what? It's crazy because we're getting closer to episode one hundred, and we're. I just spoke about the the spirit of unity at the beginning of this episode, and we we could not be more uh, be more opposed on this. Let me ask you this: Do you think MMA math is real? No. Okay. So what? So that being said, you're putting no weight in the fact that Jimmy Crute beat Paul Craig, who just beat the shit out of John Mahalville. No, because he okay. he did something stupid. He ditched a game plan. Okay. Okay. So I'm on Jimmy Crute for this one. Over one and a half. So I'm on Jimmy <laughs> Crute for this one. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. All right. Clay Guida Don't take worry. Don't worry, listeners. We're going to give you some, some unified picks. <laughs> no, no, no. On Saturday, we're see, you're seeing two diametrically opposed slips coming out. All right. Clay Guida taking on Leonardo Santos. Leonardo Santos at 18, 5 and 1, taking on Clay the Carpenter Guida at 36, 18 and 0. Uh, I, I have a feeling we're going to end up opposite on this one. Clay Guida plus 160. Leonardo Santos at minus 185. Overrun rounds at 2.5. I went first last time. Go ahead. Well, I'll start here, actually. So Clay Guida coming off his fight against Marco Madsen. Did you think that Clay won that fight against Marco Madsen? I wouldn't have been mad if somebody scored it for Clay. What, what, how did you score it? I scored it for Madsen. Okay. I scored it for Clay. Uh, okay. We were <clears throat> on Clay, and I was like, it was one of those things, so here's the thing, right, is at a certain point, and I don't, I don't do it for every fight, but I do do it for some fights, where I'll watch it, and in my head, I'll go, I scored that for Clay, but having watched 10,000 plus fights, I have a feeling that I know how these judges are going to score it tonight, right. and Madsen's going to get the nod here. So when Madsen got the nod... In my brain, I was like, oh, Clay won that fight, but yeah. Madsen's going to win. So when Madsen won, I was like, okay, these idiots did what I thought they were going to do. 
eh, on to the next. So okay. it's I kind agree. of it kind of a mix of both there. Yeah, that's exactly how I was actually. Um, anytime um, it's tough for me to fade a team alpha male fighter. I mean, this is outside of the general that is Uriah Faber. Clay Guida has been there for a serious amount of time. He's putting a lot of uh, he's putting a lot of practice. Sideshow Bob, dude, freaking belching in the corner. This is the guy that has the wrestling base. He's got the activity. He's got the cardio. He's going up against a guy, though, that presents a huge void in his game, which has always been on the ground. Can Santos get Clay Guida to the ground, work off his back? He's extremely good off his back. And actually, his striking's not horrible either. He's really good in his counters. I think that Clay's sub defense has always scared me. If you go back and look at his entire record and you, if you were to quantify his losses and how they happened, I'd say a majority probably happened by submission. He's not good on the ground. Granted his wrestling base is able to negate that, which is good, but someone that's going to put the emphasis on that ground game. It makes this a really scary pick for me. Um, Clay Guida taking a lot of damage, much older, you know, um, coming off a, a, quote-unquote devastating loss against Marco Madsen, which many people thought maybe he had won. How much does he have in the tank? What's his fire look like? That age, the determination, that grit. Is this just a paycheck? It's not in front of a crowd. We're in the apex. A lot of these present problems, and I think Santos, who comes in, who has a game plan that is directly in a correlate to where uh, Clay Guida has a problem, which is the ground, presents a huge problem, dude. So I'm going Santos. I'm actually going to sprinkle somewhere in there a sub, whether it's round two or round three. Um, things tend to get a little sloppy, irregardless of, mm. of cardio. That's what I'm going to do, man. I'm taking Santos for sure. Am I going to sprinkle a sub prop in there? Probably so. Oh, man. Kill me with I that. I love freaking Clay, dude. Don't don't make me feel bad about this. I'm not going to make you feel bad about it, but I am going to say of his 21 losses on his, on his professional record, uh, okay. eight of them have come via submission. So I, my, groan came, my, my groan came from you saying irregardless. Um, that's a word. It's not. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> We've had this conversation before. Producer uh, Jake is irregardless a word. It's not. So we're not going to okay. do that. Right. No. He's smoking a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> He's literally <laughs> eating French fries. What do you, what is that? A big glass bong? What is that? What do you have? <laughs> it's a roll. Oh, he's eating White Castle. Gotcha. He's eating White Castle. There you go. Producer Jake goes to White Castle. I think that was a movie, wasn't it? It was, yeah. <laughs> no, so I think Clay can get it done. Um, here, here's the thing: is again, we're gonna, we're, it, I'm gonna keep beating this drum until my lungs give out. I want underdogs that will fight for my money. Clay Guida, nobody's ever gonna say that he didn't show up in shape. Nobody's ever gonna say that he didn't show up and try to win. And if you show up in shape and you show up and you try to win, I'm willing to to put a little bit of green on you and clay yeah. guida is the quintessential anytime any place any one fighter and i yeah. will take that any day of the week over a guy like leonardo santos who we've talked about before i've got nothing against leonardo santos right 18 4 and 1 at one point in time this was a guy that probably was on the short list of potential contenders 
But if you look at his career, he's incredibly inactive. This two fights in in a span of one year, that has not happened ever. No, I'm sorry. That has not happened since 2016. No. Hold on a second. I got to look at this because I don't think he's ever fought two times in a year in his entire career. Injury ridden? Well, he's injury riddled, but he also just like doesn't have the. He's like he's like a Gregor Gillespie. In 2012, he fought twice. My thing with Leonardo Santos is he's like Gregor Gillespie, right? In the sense that Gregor seems to have no urgency to his career. Like I know uh, Kevin Lee just got released, so we can change our intro video, thankfully, um, and <laughs> and get that Gregor knockout out of there. But here's the thing, like. Guys like Gregor Gillespie, either they're content with the amount of money that they have, um, it just, or, or or they have a good side hustle or whatever the case may be. I don't understand why they don't fight more. Like Gregor Gillespie's cool with fighting once a year, if that. Right. Leonardo Santos once every eighteen months, really, and I I just can't get on board. You can be the most talented guy in the world, talented woman in the world, if you don't want to fight. It's very hard to get an accurate reading on what I think you're capable of as a person and as an athlete in there. And Leonardo Santos is exactly that. He fought uh, Grant Dawson his last time out, did not look particularly great, got beat towards the end of the fight. Um, I, I wasn't blown away with him. He he looked like a guy that's highly talented but inactive is what he looked like. Yeah. Um, and then Grant Dawson caught him with some hammer fists from like that standing top position, and that was it. We got him out of there. He's making a quick turnaround, does not have to worry about the power of Clay Guida. Clay Guida is not knocking anybody out at this point. Um, he will outwork you, though. I like what you're saying, though, about Leonardo Santos by submission. If I'm taking Santos at all, I'm taking the sub prop. I'm not going to play anything else. I don't want him at money line at minus 185. It's too risky for me. I'll take the sub prop, make the, make the price a little bit more palatable. But I'm also putting a little bit on Clay Guida at plus 160 just because I love the price on a guy I know who's going to show up in shape and ready to fight. I don't hate it. I'll, I'll, I will agree, good sir. Okay. <laughs> so we're, we're getting there. We're, we're slowly getting there. All right. <laughs> Co-main event of the evening, Brad Riddell at 10-1, taking on Rafael Fazeev at 10-1. Uh, pretty much a pick em depending on what book you're looking at. Um it really honestly just depends on where you're at. Minus 120, minus 115 coming back. It just, we'll call it a pick, it, pick them for the sake of calling it that. Um, over and under rounds at two and a half. How do you feel? How do you think this fight shakes out? Based on what I texted you earlier, I just want to know from the onset, are we on the same page? Maybe. Depends yeah, on what maybe. argument you make because you might sway me off of my play. Ooh, let me, should I pop my shirt off? No, you're going to keep your shirt on, please. <laughs> okay. Keep your shirt. I think Brad Riddell, this guy, confidence comes from evolution. I think that that fight with Drew Dober was something that brought him to another level. And I think he comes from obviously a fantastic camp. But Brad's good, dude. He reminds me a lot of like a a Michael Chandler. He's got that low base, good striking, stalking, but he's light on his feet, able to slip in and out, able to outwork, able to show a lot of different feints, a lot of different angles, threat the takedown a little bit. Versus Fazeev, and you and I have been on Fazeev for a while. We picked him on a couple of our fights. Mm-hmm. Great striker, Tiger Muay Thai. I mean, this is a camp that we've talked about for you know years of just being like what we believe is like the the ultimate from a striking perspective. His gas tank, though, it's it's not that good. 
Mm. And his wrestling has always been a huge void. So I think when you look at someone, you have to look at the complete fighter. Look at the whole circle. Brad Riddell is going to present everything. He has a huge wrestling base, a fantastic wrestling base. He has great striking. He's durable. He's a workhorse. Doesn't have gas tank issues. Like when I look at the complete fighter, I think Brad Riddell. When I think mm-hmm. of like, okay, who's got you know fantastic striking? Sure, Rafael Fazeev is going to have that. But that's one facet of the complete MMA fighter. So if I'm going to put my money somewhere and it has a plus number of plus 102 up against it, I'm going Brad Riddell. I, I just think there's too many things, especially if it gets into later rounds. Rafael Fazeev, if in fact he's not able to take down or you know negate the takedown, move around, he's going to gas quickly. And then I think the the volume, the output, all that's going to be in Brad Riddell's favor, regardless if the striking is going to be more accurate from Fazeev. I don't see cardio being an issue. Um, I agree with, I believe that Riddell is a more complete mixed martial artist. I I, I would classify Fazeev as one of the last remaining specialists out there in the sport that's competing at a high level. So I will give him exactly that. Um, a couple things leading up to this. Uh, quite a few MMA accounts online have posted old sparring footage of these two. Right. Um, they have a storied history with each other um, from a coach and student perspective, as well as a teammate perspective. I will give Riddell the edge when it comes to physicality and being a more complete mixed martial artist. One thing that I think is interesting, though, is the we we've got a. This is where this is where betting fights gets a little murky, right? Um, because there's a more human component. There's a story element to it, right? Um, Or there can be. There's not always, but there can be. Uh, The idea that these guys were teammates, one of them, or both of them rather, know what happened in those training sessions, right? We've we've seen that time and time again with guys that have trained together extensively. Somebody somebody knows who was getting the better of those, right? Yes. Now, do you use that come fight night to be the fuel to your fire to take you to the next level that you previously couldn't get to in training? Or is that the the speed bump on the road that prevents you from ultimately being able to accomplish that? Um, one of the things that's interesting when I think about Riddell, and I am leaning Riddell for this fight, so I'm just, I'll, I don't want to bury the lead here. Uh, I'm leaning Riddell, is the speed issue, right? One thing we saw with uh, with the Dober fight is f- fresh and early in the fight. Drew was very fast. Yeah. And in that first round before he got tired, um, the speed was a, the speed adjustment was something that Riddell had a hard time with. Yes. And then once he caught up to the speed and got going, then the, the tide slowly started turning in his favor. Fazeev, in my opinion, is the faster of the two. And I think he's probably adapted rather well um, to the idea of how to effectively utilize those four ounce gloves. Not to say Riddell hasn't, but he could use that to his advantage in this matchup because I think he's done, at least from the body of work, he seemed to have, I think, done a very good job adapting the striking over. Um, Riddell has looked good, but if you told people that Brad Riddell was a world champion kickboxer and then showed his MMA fights. People would be like, I don't necessarily know if I believe that. Yeah. 
you're like, hey, he's good, but I don't know if he's a world champion. Now, if I tell you that Rafael Fazi was a world champion kickboxer, and then I show you his fights, you go, oh, yeah, that's different. Flashy, dude. Right. Like, so the, the specialist mentality comes into play. If I'm Brad Riddell, I come in and I try to make this a mixed martial arts fight, right? Um, I don't want, I don't want to make this a striking battle. I don't want to try to get him out of there. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to wrestle him. I'm going to grind him. Um, I'm going to lean Riddell here. I like him at the plus money. 10,000 words where 10 would have done. I'll take Brad Riddell. Fair. I mean, I love just, it, dude. Yeah, I, and and I I agree with the chat. Um, Mellow murder um, and uh, Jason Brown. I agree with both of you guys, man. Appreciate the contribution as well. All right, main event of the evening: Rob Font, nineteen and four, taking on Jose Aldo, thirty and seven. Bum bum bum. Yeah, main event of the evening, man. I mean, this is this is what this is what we're you know I. This is probably stylistically and odds wise some of the one of the closest main events we've gotten all year, yeah. uh, and probably one of the harder fights um, that I think to, it's not as cut and dry as it, as it appears. Um, you've got Rob Font showing up as a favorite here, minus one thirty five, taking on Jose Aldo at a plus one fifteen. Over under rounds at four and a half. Um, what do you think? comes of a Jose Aldo at plus money. That's that's a very rare occurrence. We don't see that often, Jose Aldo at plus money. Do we? Do you just ride it for the sake of you have to because of, of who he is and what he's done? Well, to to quote the great Dale Lippin, experience is the currency of combat. Am, yeah. I, am I correct? Experience is the currency of combat. I agree. And and if that's the case, Jose Aldo is a very rich man. <laughs> the game, you know... Let me back up. Jose Aldo is one of those legends where I'm all for the legends. I'm all for the people that have actually built this sport um, who have made a name. But uh, as of recently, a lot of times you can utilize the sentiment that is the game has passed them by. The game has Mm -hmm. evolved. Um, I don't think I can really say that for Jose Aldo. Sure, we saw a weakness against the Piotr Jan fight, but who hasn't shown a weakness against what is a powerhouse in Piotr Jan? Mm -hmm. Rob Font's going to be a great uh, litmus test to what Jose Aldo is and how he fares in this division. The reason I say that is because New England cartel, we talk about the Calvin Caters, we talk about that entire team. I think, and in my mind, I'm not talking Muay Thai, I'm not talking kickboxing, I'm talking about straight boxing. I think New England cartel has the best boxers from a club in the United States. Hmm. I say Hmm. that. And I say that the looks that Rob Font's getting with Calvin Cater, I see that with, you know, uh, the 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 people that, and you're you're as good as your training partners. Calvin Cater fighting Max Holiday, Holloway, who's the best boxer in that entire division. Him getting those looks, being very active, um, you know, I just think that Jose Aldo switching weight class has been great for him, but I also think that, um, you know, it takes a lot away from him. He was normally someone where you could think in the later rounds, four and five experience is something that trumps all, but we saw in the Piotr Jan fight, we've seen him time and time again, as it gets to the later rounds, even in the later of the third round, we've seen him start to wilt. So experience as much as you can care about that. And you think strategy takes an actual place in it. It does not. It does not. And strategy is 1,000% a word. It does, man. It is a word. And I just think that 
as it gets to the later fight, I'm not actually, I'm not going to take the experience. I'm going to take the more youthful fighter, the one that's going to have the better boxing, who's going to probably have the better cardio, regardless if in fact there is experience in those later rounds, I think you got to go with a more youthful fighter. So I think someone who's going to be lighter on their feet, who's going to have the better output and who has have recently had the better looks and who I think has the more competent camp. I'm going with Rob Font. I, so I, I disagree with some of what you're saying. Not a ton. Um, I will I will say this. I do believe that the game has passed Jose Aldo by. Um, I don't think that he's evolved. I think the success that he has shown in his at this latter half of his career is against people that are of the old guard, if you will, or the inexperienced, right? The guys that have refused to evolve as well. Pedro Munoz, is as good as Pedro Munoz is, he has not gotten any better. Right, he is the statistically the most hittable fighter in the bantamweight division. That has not changed. Marlon Vera, Cheeto Vera is exactly that. Cheeto, we have seen Cheeto's ceiling. By the way, um, the, Cheeto is capable of beating maybe one or two guys in the top ten. He's a parent like Cheeto will be a number eleven to number twenty fighter for yeah. the extent of his career. I don't, I, I don't think um, that that that's anything. But the, the new, the new school, if you will, Piotr Jan, um, Alexander Volkanovsky, the Max Holloways. Obviously, you know you have Connor in there. If if you look at what Jose is doing and who he's beating, he's beating guys that have failed to adapt. So he's just remaining good as long as he's the big fish in the same pond but the moment you remove that fish from the pond and put him around other fish that are of equal or greater size he's getting swallowed up what we will decide on saturday night is whether or not rob font belongs in the class of new big fish and if he does he should handle aldo with relative ease as the people who have beat him recently have it's either jose aldo winning or he's getting beat with relative ease um, he comes on strong early in the fight, and then he wilts once he yeah. can't implement the game plan, once he can't get you out of there, once it's not going the way he envisioned it in his mind, it just falls apart. So I really believe that it's Rob Font's fight to lose. What concerns me about this? What concerns me about this? And I love Calvin, and we're hopefully going to have him back on the show here in the come uh, before it, his his main event spot here is that when the Holloway fight wasn't going his way, there was no plan B. Right. It was continue to get the hell beat out of me. <laughs> right. So my concern is even though Joe's uh, Aldo has not shown anybody to have a need for a plan B uh, lately, if this fight doesn't go the way it's supposed to for Rob font can, is there going to be a plan B? Let's say Aldo does come out and he chews up that lead leg, which Font stands heavy on. Let's say Aldo does want to throw leg kicks for the first time in fucking 30 years. He decides he wants to throw those leg kicks that everybody talks about. <laughs> and he does want to do that. What if what if that's the case? Right? But I don't think the old shaky fist Aldo is going to get it done against Rob Font unless he's somehow able to hurt Rob early. He's able to compromise a leg. I just don't see I don't I just don't see how he gets it done. And it goes against normally from a betting perspective, what I what I ascribe to, which is bet on experience, bet on strength of schedule, 
bet on caliber of opponent, bet on, you know, um, just value and getting a guy like Jose Aldo at plus money just seems almost too good to pass up given his record, given who he's faced, given who he stand, stood across the cage from, amount of time in the octagon, been there, done that. I want to take Aldo in this spot, but I just can't see third eye, mind's eye, DMT. I cannot see how he wins this fight. Short of catching Rob Font with something with Rob Font being dumb, I, I just don't see it. And I really feel like this fight has a get-back feel to it for the New England cartel, you know, Cater had his big moment and he he fell short. This is Rob Font's get back moment. I and agree. I, I think he I think he can do that. I'm gonna go Rob Font at decent at decent minus money here. Um, over on our rounds, I don't necessarily know how I feel about that. Um, if it's a master class like Font put on against Garbrandt, I think he can actually get it done because I think Aldo won't allow himself to get the shit kicked out of him for 25 minutes. Right. He, I mean he's. It's crazy we say Aldo's old, but like Aldo's younger than me. Um, and but I still think at this stage in his career, he's just not gonna get the shit kicked out of him for 25 minutes. So if it if things are going poorly and he's getting busted up, there might be a way out for him. Uh I just I just don't want to touch that four and a half. Um I think the smarter play would probably be over four and a half. This fight feels like a decision, but I'll take Rob Font, I'll take him at the Small minus money and just leave it at that. There you go. Hey, All right. we're in agreement on the last fight of the. We're we're, we're in agreement. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. We have a ton of prelims here. Holy crap, man! Lewis Smolka taking on Vince Morales. Smolka at seventeen and seven. Morales at ten and five. Uh, Morales at a plus one thirty. Smolka at a minus one fifty. Taking the last nice. samurai. You're taking Vince. I'm going to take Smolka. I, I love, I think he's got good boxing. He's super quick in the transition. He's, I mean, much, he's going to be much quicker than Morales. Morales is going to have good wrestling. He's going to be able to walk forward. He's going to stalk his opponents, but the problem is he loads up on his shots. So I'm going to go with, you know, you know, lighter weight type dudes. I'm going to go with someone that's going to have more output. Who's going to be a little bit quicker and kind of be first. So I think Smolka's is going to have that volume. He's going to be quicker. And I think he's going to mix it up with the head and body shots, dude, for sure. Do you remember when Smolka was a main event? Oh my God, no. Do you remember that? No. When was that? Like 10 years ago? He fought Patty Holohan as a main event. It was a fight night main event. Like how many years? It ago? was a fight night main event. And I think the the main and the co-main fell off the day of and the day before. Ah, see, dude, yeah. that's why I feel like if I ever made it to the UFC, like 10 fights have to fall off. Then it's like, oh, hey, baby. We made it. It's red penny night. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking headlining. <laughs> Speaking of, so so here's the thing though, is you could actually do that. Um, for those of you who are newer to the show, Trey is a a black belt in jujitsu. So let's not let's not sugarcoat that. Um, real quick, training partner of yours getting ready to make his one FC debut, Buchecha. Yeah. Ready, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what what do you think we can expect before we break down the Smolka fight? It, is he going to get a sub? I mean, he's he's going up against a guy that's on an absolute tear right now. Yeah, I mean, I love that he's he's. I mean, he's training with the Ruka guys up in Costa Mesa with Jason Prio, so he's getting the same striking as Mackenzie Dern and and the Cheeto Veras and stuff like that. So I think his boxing has evolved, but I mean, everyone knows what his game plan is. It's how can I do a looping shot to throw someone off balance, shoot him for a double, smother someone on the ground, get ahead and arm choke, whatever it can be. I think that that's the thing is. I know that we talk about if we were to like rank the facets of MMA and what we think is uh, 
the best. I think we always think that wrestling's first, but I think jiu-jitsu is a close second. So he's a threat, dude. Regardless of his striking's not as evolved, he's an absolute threat in that fight. When when the two of you roll together, what's the yeah. skill? What's the skill difference? <laughs> I feel. I feel a white belt wouldn't even do it justice, dude. It's absolutely insane. The pressure, the point, like, I just feel like, what am I doing here? Like, no way. It's, it's a different type of pressure and gotcha. everything he does is efficient. It's quick and it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It All right. Hurts. So you're taking, you're taking Smolka here. Yes. All right. I'll get on board with Smolka, but. To be honest with you, Smolka is borderline no bet list. Um, Fair. And the reason why that is is because he he doesn't beat anybody of quality, right? The the only fight that he won recently that is of quality to me is he beat my boy names. He beat Sue. He he yeah. he subs Sue, and I hate I hate him for that. Um, but anybody that's of any quality whatsoever, he tends to lose to. So I I, I guess. I'm not going to put Vince Morales in that, you know, competitor of of quality status. I mean, lost to Chris Gutierrez, lost to Benito Lopez, lost to, you know, Yadong Song, lost to Domingo Pilarte. I know he's coming off a win over Draco Rodriguez in a fight that I was heavy on Rodriguez, but I'm going to take Smolka here to minus 150. All right. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Alex Morono taking on Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall seven and three. Alex Morono at twenty and seven. Weird spot for these guys because it's really low on the card on a card where I feel like this fight could be elevated quite higher. Um, or this fight could be elevated quite higher on the card. Mickey Gall's a plus one eighty. Alex Morono at minus two ten. Over on rounds at two and a half. I'll say it every time that he's on the show or that we talk about him, Alex Morona, one of the great nicknames in the game, the great white Alex Morona <laughs> taking on Mickey Gall. Uh, I'm on Alex Morona here. Pretty cut, dry, and simple. Why, Trey? Uh, he's really leaned into the coaching, and when you're coaching, you spend a ton of time taking the analytical approach to fights, and it allows you, anybody that's stepped away from anything, uh, whether it be athletics, music, anything creative you take time away from it and come back you always see it with fresh eyes or if you start instructing people on it there's a way to sort of remove yourself and and hover above what is your skill and then if you can do it correctly you can then put yourself insert yourself back into it and then execute better like i i played competitive basketball most of my life but it wasn't until i started coaching that i got good and then once i got my referee license i got really good um it just the idea of being able to step back and 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 see things from a different perspective and then show people what they should be doing allows you to execute it when done correctly allows you to execute it better in the moment and i think alex morono has really harnessed that and against a guy like mickey gall who is just forever disappointing and and is admittedly on my no bet list i think he gets it done and when you talk about the whole coaching aspect of it it may it, it drew me when i was flying back from portland that uh you know a couple weeks ago i watched some movie uh with wh- who i believe and you're gonna talk shit i don't care who's the greatest actor of our generation you better say shia labeouf 
It's not Shia LaBeouf, absolutely not. And if that's the barometer, it's well above that. Uh, ben Affleck. Um, ben Affleck sucks, dude. Dude, he's so good. And he was in this coaching movie, and it made me want to be a coach so bad. Um, it, it had me look at the game of basketball. It had me look at any game in a different light based on the way he taught. And, you know, I'm, I'm freaking watching Friday Night Lights right now, and I honestly think that Ben Affleck is a great coach. I don't know where I'm going with this, but what I'm going to say is this. I like uh, Alex Morono here as well. I think that 2021 has been a fantastic uh, year for him coming off the David Zwato uh, fight. And obviously Donald Cowboy Cerrone, that was the Donald Cowboy Cerrone fight was really when that coaching change happened. So that, and the David Zwato fight, you really got to see the evolution of what Alex Morono was. Mickey Gall, dude, he's kind of always been set in his ways. Sure. He's got a little bit of momentum right now, but what that's because he's coming off a submission off Jordan Williams. Big deal. That's all Mickey Gall is supposed to be known for. That's what we were introduced to Mickey Gall on when dude, when he fought, freaking cm punk like that was what we all knew was oh this is a submission guy this is someone regardless of how bad his striking is that's where he needs to get it done when it comes to striking he loses to the people that are willing to brawl that are in your face and striking like i.e the mike perry's and so forth is his last loss i i, I think that alex Moreno is going to present way more problems on the feet mickey gall still has not figured that out if something happens on the ground sure there's an opportunity you want to sprinkle make mickey gall by sub you want to make yeah. that plus 180 a little bit sweeter? Go ahead. Alex Marino should win this fight. Okay. All right. Next fight, heavyweight tilt, Jared Vanderot, 12 and 6, taking on Azamat Merz- was it Merzakanov? Merzakanov? Yeah, I don't know. Right. 10 and 0. Um, here's the thing, right? Is Azamat is at a minus 200. Vanderot's at a plus 170. Vanderot's making the quick turnaround off of the um, Alexander Romanov fight. It's a pretty quick turnaround after after a heavy, violent fight like that. Uh, size advantage will be very clearly on the the side of Vanderov. Um, it doesn't matter. You, you don't think it matters? You're going with Ozamot for sure? I mean, I, listen. Yeah. I will say this. If you're going to take Ozamot, just take him by KO. Yes. It's not going to get done any other way. No. Um, if, you're, if you're on him, just screw the minus 200. Take him by KO. I will say this, though. Need to be careful because if he's facing his like first legit real competitor and it's his UFC debut and he's going against a guy that is substantially larger than him, like he's gonna be um you know five five to six inches taller and he's gonna outweigh him by about 40 pounds. So just just keep that in mind. Um, but Ozamont's a monster and he's good with the hands. If you're gonna take him, just take him by KO. That's that's the only advice I have on this fight. If you're on Ozamont, take him by KO. He's not going to win any other way. Usually, yes, I would take that into consideration that Van Der Rohe is going to be way bigger. But way bigger usually is also put in parallel with a lot of power. And that's not something that Jared has. Jared is someone that is freaking just touching his opponents. He's a volume type guy. He's massive. He's going to have a nine-inch reach advantage. But it's just going to be to touch touch the opponent. That's all he's going to do. So I think if Azamat's able to close that distance, he's going to have the power. And you got to remember, dude, Jared's taking this fight on short notice. He had no camp for this. He was supposed, Azamat was supposed to fight Philip Lins. So when you look at Jared coming in short notice, who doesn't have power, but may have the reach, I think, you know, Azamat by KO is a fantastic play in the spot. All right. I'll go with that. 
I wasn't all, I wasn't big on Osmot, but I watched some fights going into this, and I like them, so we'll we'll let her rip. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Next fight, Claudio Pulis taking on Chris Grutzmacher. Grutzmacher fifteen and four, Pulis at eleven and two. We're gonna move through these last couple really quick here, Trey. Essentially, pick and fight. Uh, I like Grutzmacher's hot or heart and determination and grit out of his last fight. Hard to teach grit. Hard to teach yeah. a guy to to bite down on the mouthpiece and you know enjoy the struggle enjoy the pain enjoy the blood um and he did that in his last fight and for that he gets my money that's fair he's been around the block dude he's like the hunch over the i'm gonna get it done right now type guy you know versus versus claudio's solid grappling great footwork good striking defensively sound sanford mma guy which you know we like sanford mma He's improved a lot. His growth, we've seen it. I think that you're going to someone that I don't want to call him a vet in Grootsmacher, uh, but no, he's, he's definitely – Okay, he's a vet. We've seen what his glass ceiling is. Mm. We have not seen that from Claudio. Claudio's continuously evolved. So while this is close to pretty much a pick I'm still going to go with a guy that's evolving, who's getting better looks, who still ha- does not have that ceiling yet. So I'll go Claudio just for the, the time being. I know what Chris is capable of. Yeah, I, I will say this. If Poulos – if you're, if you're like, um, well, in boxing, right? They'll they'll oftentimes make matchups similar um, to this, where the, you want to put your young guy in a fight where he's going to get different looks and he's going to have to work for a win. You don't want to have him yeah. fight cans the entire time. Um, if Pulis can win this, if Pulis can pull this off, hey, hey um, he'll be a better <laughs> fighter for it because Gridsmacher is going to make him work for it. Yeah. So, um, the chat asked real quick thoughts on a Haney Azamat Smolka parlay. Ooh. I I like Devin Haney. I'm on Azamat, and Smolka should win that fight. Um, your your wild card in that, in my opinion, is Smolka. Yeah, I agree. That that's who your wild card is. Um, yeah. But that's a good parlay. That you're probably. You'll know it early. I don't. Yeah, you'll know early. <laughs> good, I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know what the Haney odd. No, don't hedge. We just talked. We just made a whole shirt about <laughs> how you don't hedge. Um, I don't know what the Haney price is. What What's that come back at? Is that like a plus one fifty? What is that three legger at Cosmo? Uh, anyway, while he's pulling that up, Lonzo Menafield taking on William Knight. Holy shit, we got like seven more fights left. Menafield versus William Knight. 11 and 2 on Menafield, William Knight at 10 and 2. Uh, Menafield at a minus 148, Knight at a plus 128. I'm taking the over one and a half. Yeah, this fight's well, the one you're going to be sitting on the couch and you're going to be looking and like, God, I made a lot of bad decisions eating all that gravy and turkey and looking like, you know, a fat piece of shit. These guys are muscle. They're freaking muscle babes. That's what it is. Menafield, Fortis MMA. Play him. If you're going to play him, play him round one. That is Alonzo Menafield in a freaking nutshell. The guy comes out bad out of hell. He is insane what happens that first round. Round two, round three, gas is like a motherfucker. Knight, he's small, selectively shoots. He's got good combos, but literally chooses his shots. And when he does that, he's able to retain that cardio. He's going to be strong. The question is, is he going to close that distance? I'm still going to go with Knight because I think in the later rounds, he's going to overwhelm. I don't think this thing goes to decision, but to your point, I believe it's going to go over one and a half. And I think after that one and a half, that's where Knight's going to take over. I'm going over one and a half just because I feel like both these guys are going to come out gun shy, taking pictures, afraid of each other's power. Because of the muscle. Because the muscle. What do you call muscle babes? Muscle babes, dude. Muscle babes, for sure. All right. Speaking of babes, Cheyenne 
Am I going to get this right? Cheyenne Vlismus. Yay. Taking on Mallory Martin. Mallory Martin at 7-4. Cheyenne at 6-2. It's um, weird, Dale. I felt like Cheyenne had a different last name. She did. Last time we saw her, she had a different last name. It was Bays before, and now it appears that something has changed. Trouble um, in paradise. Perhaps. Um, but all the same, she's at a minus 185 here against Mallory Martin. Mallory Martin coming back to the plus 160 spot over on around the two and a half. I don't love Cheyenne at minus 185. I no. don't I don't love her here. Um, you know, we're big on women's underdogs. Mallory Martin, outside of a submission, if you can submit Mallory Martin fairly easy. If you're not going to submit her and you're going to stand there and bang with her, she's going to put, put herself in a position to win a fight. I'm going to take a small flyer on Mallory Martin at plus money to get a win. I think there's too much personal turmoil yes. in the Cheyenne life. Um, again, the personal component that comes into um fighting right and she's gonna walk out and she's not gonna have her ex-husband her now ex-husband in her corner who's been there for a long yes. time um she's her whole life's different right now and she needs that paycheck uh and mallory martin is fighting for her job plus 160 mallory martin Exactly what I was going to say. JP has always been in her corner, so that's a deadly different thing. And especially Cheyenne, who always listens to her corner. She's very, like, she listens. Um, yeah. I think what's also the thing you have to take into consideration, into consideration outside of the actual emotional attachment is she's just coming off COVID. So she's got some, you know, some respiratory issues. I don't know, but it took her a minute to get back into the cage. So how's that going to fare? I think this line's way too far for Cheyenne. So yeah, take plus 160. I think Mallory, she chooses her shots. She's really selective, but when she lands, she can land. So there's definitely yeah. something there. All right. Jake Matthews at 17 and five, taking on Jeremiah Wells at nine, two and one. Jake Matthews is the favorite here, Trey. Minus 172, Jeremiah Wells, plus 147. Over and around is a two and a half. I like Jake Matthews. I like his headspace. I like his camp. He's, and again, he's on an Aussie heavy card, Aussie New Zealand heavy card, Oceana heavy card. Um, let me get it right. Oceana heavy card here for Jake Matthews. Um, he looks big. He looks strong, man. And I like him in the spot against Jeremiah Wells. I'm just going to take him on a money line. Don't love him as a parlay, but I do love him as a safer money line, maybe a one or two unit play on the plus 172 or minus 172. And I'm going to leave it at that. I don't need to overthink it. I think he's got the experience advantage. He's got the cardio advantage. I think he can beat Jeremiah Wells wherever he wants it, really. He just can't get caught. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's gotten good looks, especially from the striking department, too. You got to think he's coming off a loss, sure, against – Sean Brady, though, who we know is an absolute killer standing, but it wasn't until the third round. So he was able to fare. He was able to stand on the phone booth a little bit. And granted, he didn't even lose from a striking perspective. He got absolutely subbed. So I, I'm going to take Jake Matthews as well. I think he's a little bit more well-rounded. And I do think that from the striking department, he's going to be able to overwhelm Wells a little bit. Yeah. Yep. And then let's see here. All right, Manel Cap taking on Zlaga Zumagulov at uh, 14 and 5, and Manel Cap at 16 and 6. Both these guys have been high on both of them since they came into the promotion, man. I love Zlagas. I love Manel. I'm taking Manel Cap here just off, based off quality of competition. I can't do it. I can't do it, dude. I can't do it. I, you know me, dude. Since Manel Cap came over from Ryzen, I was on him like freaking white on rice. I was like, this is the guy because he was a freaking champion over in Ryzen. I was like, this guy's going to make a difference. But it's kind of like when Bellator dudes come over to UFC or vice versa. It just doesn't happen. So I'm going Zlogas. He's a better counter striker. He has good volume. He's extremely durable. 
um, and he'll freaking take a shot and he'll eat it, dude. Cape is someone who, dude, he's so selective with his shots. It frustrates me. It's like, this is the guy that should be super flashy. He should be doing the freaking dancing on ice, Mickey Mouse fucking twirl in the air and then point and death star, but it doesn't happen. He thinks about it. He'll do it once, not even close to landing and he'll think about it again. So as much as I love Cape and I think that he is able to get it done, he needs to hit the go button. He needs to be like, now, dude, so fucking let's get the volume. Let's get the volume. And with someone like Zalgas, who's going to be counterpunching, this is going to be a much slower fight than we're accustomed to. I think that a plus uh, over under a two and a half makes a lot of sense. Both these guys are durable, low weight class, uh, you know, a little bit of volume coming from Zalgas, but not that much from Cape. Overs for sure the play. You're probably not getting that a good value, but you know, that's where we stand. So I'm going to take Zlogis. Um, I'm not happy with it, but if I can't take Cape once more, I'm taking Cap. There you go. <laughs> I like Zlogis though. I do. I really do. You know, I bet him just about every time. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan. All right. Featured prelim, Maki Patola, 13 and eight, taking on Dushko Todorovic, fighting for the jobs, I believe. Yes. Um, that's why it's featured. Yeah, yeah. Should be a banger. Plus 140 for Maki Patolo. Minus 160 for Dushko. Overrun around is at one and a half. I think that I think the overrunner is a trap. I think okay. it's a trap. I do. I mean, I, I you look at both these guys, right? Coconut bombs and Dushko who wants to bang. Um, and he's got again, we talk about anatomy a, a lot of times too. Dushko's got that giant head, very skinny little neck. Not he's not really built. That neck's not built to, to withstand that giant melon of his rocking around when he gets hit. Um, he can be slept. And if Maki can hit him, he can absolutely do it. The problem is that if Maki gets hit a lot, man. Um, so it, it, these guys are going to come out, and it's going to be one of two things, right? We're going to see hyper aggression or hyper hesitancy. I don't think I don't think we see a well balanced, even keel three round fight. I think we either see a blitzkrieg or we yeah. see a snooze fest. Because somebody wants to keep their job. I Both of these guys, I believe, are fighting for their job. The best way to keep that job, in my opinion, is to get a highlight reel knockout uh, and not win a boring decision. But the UFC is not afraid of cutting loose talent. Um, and neither one of these guys are really high on the talent chart. And, that, I mean, realistically, a lackluster performance, regardless of winner, could see both of these guys getting cut. It is imperative that they go out there and put on a show. Um I my initial leaning is Maki, but I I I can't be sure at this point. To be honest with you, this might just be an avoiding fight. I might just avoid this one entirely. Every time I bet on Maki, I've lost. Um, okay. I'm going to bet on him once more here in this spot, and okay. that is solely on the technique that Dusko has. You've said this in previous episodes when Dusko has fought, but he has that old school boxing style. Like literally he looks like producer Jake in a boxing ring. He's got that like old school mustache thing. Just freaking, he doesn't even have a mustache, but you know that like, Hey, I'm a mustachio man. And I'm like yeah. fucking old school boxing with my head way up and my hands way low. That is Dusko. That's how he fights. I don't think Maki's gonna be able to put him out, but Maki's going to come in much smaller and what Hawaiians do is they brawl, they move quick, they scramble, and they're like literally do everything they can possibly to win a fight until they begin to gas, which we've seen Maki do a couple times. 
I think Dusko is going to be thrown off his rhythm. He's not going to be able to go first. And I think that Maki is fairly durable. So I don't see Dusko putting him out. I like the over one and a half. I do think it is a trap because there's an opportunity that Dusko could put him out. But I'm going to go with someone who is going to bring the energy, who's going to definitely get off on the volume, definitely going to uh, usurp the one and a half. I'm going, I'm going Maki. Well, I think if Maki loses, it's com- it comes via submission, right? Like we've seen him get submitted. And to be fair, he looked good in his fight against Julian Marquez up until the third round. To be honest, Marquez pulled that victory out of his ass. I mean, Patola was on pace to win that fight against Julian Marquez till he sunk that, that choke him. Yep. Given the most recent performances that we've seen out of these guys – I think that Patolo can can get it done, and I'll take him at plus money. Why not? Why not? Do it. Coconut bombs, dude. Okay, let's go. Let's run through this card real quick, top to bottom. Just initial leanings. Plays discussed on the show tonight. Excuse me, are not necessarily reflective of what we'll be playing on Saturday. All right. Yep. Smolka Morales. Smolka. I'm on Smolka as well. Morono Gall. Morono. I'm on Morono as well. Azamat Vanderaw. Azamat. I'm on Azamat as well. Pulis Grutzmacher. Uh, Pulis. I'm on Grutzmacher. William Knight, Alonzo Menafield. Knight. I'm on. Yeah, tough one. I'm going to go. <laughs> Over one and a half. Over one and a half. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to do money lines here. Give me, give me William Knight for right now, uh, but I'm on the over one and a half for sure. Mallory Martin, Cheyenne Flismas. I'll take Martin. I don't like it though. I'm on Martin as well. Zlogas and Magulov taking on Manel Cap. Zlogas. I'm on Cap. I'm on Cap. Uh, Jake Matthews, Jeremiah Wells. Jake Matthews. I'm on Matthews as well. Patolo, Dushko Todorovic. Patolo. I'm on Patolo as well. Brandon or Brendan Allen, Chris Curtis. People's main event, Chris Curtis. I'm on Brennan Allen. Jimmy Crute, Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill. I'm on Jimmy Crute, Clay Guida, Leonardo Santos. Santos by sub. I'm on Clay Guida. Rafael Fazeev, Brad Riddell. Brad Riddell. I'm on Riddell as well. And then Rob Font, Jose Aldo. Rob Font. Outstanding. I'm on Rob Font. All right. Guys, if you don't already do so, you can follow us everywhere at MMA. That's Instagram. That's Twitter. You can shoot us an email if that's your thing. You can do so. Chat at MMA. Best way to support the show if you haven't already done so. If you watch the live stream or if you're watching the show after the fact and you gain any value at all, whether it be entertainment or helping on your bet slips, a couple things you can do. One, hit that thumbs up button if you're watching it on YouTube. That helps a lot. Leave a comment if you want to. Uh, If you haven't left us a review on iTunes, always appreciated. And then if you really feel so inclined, You can go to stayclassymeats.com and use promo code FIST and save 10% of the entire thing. Or you can go to allegianceclothing.com, use promo code PUNCH and save 15%. And while you're there, if you're going to be there and you're going to be saving 15% by using promo promo code PUNCH, just go ahead and pre-order the first and what will be seven Punchlist MMA traditional style artisan t-shirts directly from... uh, Allegiance Clothing. So please do so. Uh, that's the best way to support the show. Trey, you got anything else, man? Buy the hedge, dude. This is the only time we'll tell you to hedge. Buy the hedge. Buy the hedge. It's the only time. We're never advocating for a hedge again, but buy this one. <laughs> yeah, just go to Allegiance Clothing, guys. Search the word hedge. You'll see the shirt pop up. Uh, and use promo code FIST. Save, save 15%. Or is it punch? Punch, sorry. Use promo code PUNCH. Save 15% on the entire thing, and international shipping is available for those of you across the pond, whichever pond 
that may be, uh, whether it be the Atlantic or Pacific Pond. All right. Cheers, guys. Be good to each other, and we will see everybody next week. Bang, bang.